0: Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now... Uh, Those of you who fly occasionally from Chicago to L.A. and, and back again, you've probably had this experience. Okay, you're, you're seated in an airplane on the tarmac at LAX for your uh, flight back to O'Hare, and you've been sitting there for 30 minutes. It's been delayed, and suddenly the pilot's voice comes over the intercom, and he says, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry for, for the delay on the ground, but pretty soon we're going to be up in the air. We're going to catch the jet stream." And that's going to take 30 minutes off our flight time. I promise to have you back to Chicago right on schedule. You ever experienced that? Okay, the jet stream. What is, what is the jet stream? So I Googled it this week. What is the jet stream? It is a fast flowing current of air, a narrow current that meanders across the, the continental United States, west to east. And it, it runs at about 30 to 39,000 feet and uh, it's created it's produced by a combination of solar radiation and the rotation of the earth's uh, of the earth on its axis i'm not a science guy don't ask me to go any deeper than that Uh, but it travels at about 70 miles an hour so pilots love it they love to get in it they love to stay in it 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 takes time off of their flight it conserves uh, conserves fuel I called a pilot friend of mine this week, and I said, so tell me about the jet stream. And he said, you know, it's sometimes tempting to avoid the jet stream if you see a more direct or shorter route to take, but you always pay for it. The shorter direct route is always longer. It always takes more gas because you don't have the jet stream. So today we're going to learn about a spiritual jet stream, how to get in it, how to stay in it. Uh, only it's it's not an it it's a person it's the Lord Jesus Christ so welcome to the second week of a three-part series called a deeper connection to Jesus and as I said to you last week when we launched the series this is not just a fall launch series this is also our mega goal for the ministry season at Christ Community our goal is to see everyone who calls this church home develop a deeper connection to Jesus So if you brought a Bible, our text for the series is John chapter 15. Turn with me to John chapter 15, where we're spending all three weeks in this one passage. There's a key word in the text as we look at it today, and that word is the word remain. Remain. In fact, it pops up 11 times in the opening verses of John 15, as Jesus tells us again and again that we're to remain in him. So today, we're gonna take a closer look at what it means to remain, okay, and where remaining begins, and why remaining is so essential, and and finally, how to remain. And that's where we'll spend most of our time when we get to the how-to. So uh, what it means, where it begins, why it's essential, and how to do it. So if your Bible is open, to John 15, let me begin reading at verse one. And uh, you know, the reason you wanna bring your own Bible is because you, you wanna mark it up. So as we mark it up today, I'm going to put a little bit of extra emphasis on every, uh, every time the word remain pops up. So when you hear it emphasize, circle that word remain in your Bible. Jesus says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit He prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean or already pruned because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. There we go, our first two. Uh, No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love if you keep my commands you will remain in my love just as i've kept my father's commands and remain in his love i've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete this is the word of the lord thanks be to god remain 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 okay what does it mean what does it mean well if you look up remain in a thesaurus Uh, Here are some synonyms you'll come across. Stay put, hang out, linger, dwell, abide. Uh, Last weekend, our worship teams across our campuses, we we learned a new song. They taught us a new song called Abide, uh, based on John 15. Now, abide is the old King James word okay it's uh, it's what now gets translated as remain but if you were reading John 15 in the King James Version it would be abide 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 now we don't use the verb abide much anymore but we occasionally speak of the noun abode you know this is where you live your abode is your home so in John 15 Jesus tells us that he wants us to live in him he wants us to make our home in him he wants us to abide, to remain in him. And then Jesus paints a picture of what this looks like, and it's a, it's a picture of a branch remaining in a grapevine. So, so he teaches us that if we want our lives to be fruitful, we must remain in him like a branch remains in a vine, and only then can his life, only then can his power flow through us. now now i want you to note that this isn't something that happens automatically in the life of a christ follower in fact i would argue that our default setting is not to remain in christ even if you've surrendered your life to jesus i think our default setting is, is is not to remain in christ otherwise why would jesus feel it necessary to say to his followers repeatedly remain 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 beginning of verse 4 remain in me as I also remain in you evidently remaining is something we have to choose to do you know every day every moment of every day just like a pilot has to choose to remain in the jet stream so are we gonna live a life that's deeply committed to Jesus deeply connected staying put hanging out lingering dwelling abiding like a branch that's drawing life and energy from the vine are we going to live like that or not are we going to remain or or not see remain means to consciously deliberately continuously draw from jesus life and power and joy and fulfillment and direction as opposed to listen as opposed to merely tapping into jesus on occasion usually when we're in trouble now jesus is not our genie in a bottle jesus is our vine we get our life from him you get it good okay number two where it begins okay we look at what it means where it begins how does a branch get connected to the vine in the first place now I answered this question last week so I'm just gonna summarize it again because it's really really important it's worth repeating you know Jesus doesn't address the issue of how a branch initially gets connected to the vine not in John 15 anyway but the Apostle Paul spells it out in his epistle of Romans chapter 11 and Paul like Jesus uses a horticultural expression to make his point he calls it grafting Grafting, you remember this? Romans 11, verse 17, Paul is writing to a group of relatively new Christ followers and he likens them to branches, to to shoots that have been grafted into an olive tree. In Romans 11, verse 17, Paul says, you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and you now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Now the root... The olive root, in Paul's metaphor, is Jesus. So when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we are grafted into him. Last week, I told you I learned a little bit about grafting as I studied for these sermons from a book written by a guy named Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray was a pastor in South Africa back in the late 1800s, but he gained a worldwide reputation because of his many books. And uh, one book in particular that was probably his most famous was called the true vine it's just a short devotional book two three page chapters 31 of them one for every day of the week and it all revolves around John 15 by the way the book is still in print we carry it at our bookshop or uh, you could check out the information counter at your campus and get yourself a copy of that book so Murray He lived in a home that was surrounded by vineyards. So he knows what he's talking about when he talks about grafting. And he says that that grafting requires cutting off a notch from the vine and then cutting off the end of the branch that you want to connect to the vine. And then, and only then, the two are bound together. And he says this is how it works when it comes to getting grafted into Jesus. Two cutting-offs need to happen. Okay, two, two deaths, so to speak. You know, first of all, Jesus had to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He had to be cut off. The vine had to be notched. All right, and Jesus came to earth because we had wandered from God. Every one of us chooses to go our way instead of God's way. We defy the giver of life. We thumb our nose at the one who gives us life. And so the penalty, quite naturally, is death. So Jesus came to take the penalty we deserve, the penalty of death. That's what Jesus was doing on the cross. The vine got notched, got cut off. But Murray goes on to say, you know, what about the branch? Well, if you want to be grafted into the vine, there needs to be a a cutting off, a a sort of death in your life. You have to die to your self-rule. See, no more running your own life. You, You surrender to King Jesus. And once you make that decision, a grafting takes place. Now, Paul loves to remind us of that grafting, that, 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 that union with a couple of two-word prepositional phrases that he uses in his New Testament epistles again and again and again and again and again. It's the phrase, in Christ and with Christ. So you read through Paul's New Testament letters and he is constantly speaking uh, to believers of being in Christ and with Christ. You are in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, with Christ, with Christ, with Christ. For, for example, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. He says, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it's by grace you've been saved and then God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus if you're a Christ follower if you've been grafted into Christ you're in Christ you're with Christ in Romans chapter 6 Paul Paul challenges us to fight against sin and temptation in our lives where do you get the power for that fight Verse 11, he says, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. See, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we're spiritually united with him. We're grafted into him. By the way, earlier in that same chapter of of Romans 6, uh, Paul gives us a picture of uh, how a person then publicly proclaims that they've been grafted into Christ. He calls it baptism. See, baptism is a, is a drama. It's a picture. When you get baptized, you're, you're saying that just as Jesus died and was buried and then raised back to life, so I, I have been grafted into Christ. So what he has done has been done for me. I, you know, I've participated in it. The old me has died. The self-ruled me has died. And a brand new me, a Christ ruled me now lives have you ever surrendered your life to christ have you ever been grafted into christ and if you have have you since being grafted into christ have you been baptized publicly proclaiming i'm with christ i'm in christ okay our next baptism is not until the middle of december but uh, we do one shot orientation baptism orientation classes to get you ready and the the next one is next month in october so if you've never been baptized since surrendering to christ i encourage you to participate check it out online at our website ccclife.org baptism number three we've looked at what it means where it begins number three why it's essential why is it essential to remain in christ now Go back to john 15 let me reread verse 5 to you where jesus says something so startling we tend to ignore it because if we really believed it it would dramatically change the way we live okay verse 5 jesus says i'm the vine you're the branches if you remain in me and i in you you will bear much fruit apart from me this is the startling part apart from me you can do a whole lot of things. Is that what he says? You know, apart from me, you can do well, a few things fairly well. I'm getting closer. Apart from me, you can do, say the word with me, nothing. And just a side note here a lady came up to me in the Welcome Center last weekend and she said, I've just started coming to the church, but I come from a different, a background church tradition where we used to call out during the sermon, is that okay? And I said, I wish I had about a hundred of you. All right. So apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing. Now we'll get to what Jesus means by nothing here in a moment, but let me emphasize why it is so essential to remain in Christ. And I'll do it with an illustration. Okay, our 41st president was George H.W. Bush, and he was a little little bit of an adrenaline junkie, if you would. He flew planes for the Navy in World War II, and he never lost his love of of flying or of jumping out of airplanes. And so uh, starting at age 75, for every fifth birthday, he would go skydiving. So remember pictures of this? So at age 75, 80, 80. 85 90 the dude was jumping out of planes now please understand he never did this alone okay he was always attached to someone the last couple of times it it was a guy named mark elliott a member of the army's parachute team see it would have been insane for george bush to jump out of a plane unattached to mark elliott just like it's crazy It's absolutely essential for a Christ follower to remain in Christ, to be connected to Christ. Apart from Mark Elliott, George Bush could do nothing. Apart from remaining in Christ, you and I can do nothing. So what what does Jesus mean by nothing? Does nothing mean that, you know, you can't brush your teeth? you can't get dressed in the morning can't drive a car can't work a job apart from remaining in Christ I'm not being facetious here I'm, I'm just making the point that there are a lot of things that we seem to be able to do even when we're not remaining in Jesus so why does Jesus say we can do nothing apart from him what does he mean by nothing well the answer to that question is in the previous verse okay context is everything right So look at the context, look at verse 4. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So what can't we do apart from Jesus? Bear fruit. Bear fruit. Now, we're going to spend an entire sermon, the third week of the series next week, we're going to spend the entire sermon looking at what Jesus means by bearing fruit because the word fruit and fruitful pops up nine times in this passage. Again, look for repeating words or ideas. You're, you're going to be able to tell what, what's being emphasized in a Bible passage. But, but for today, let me just say that bearing fruit has to do with producing results that are eternally significant. Let me say that again producing results that are eternally significant drop down to the end of today's passage all the way down at verse 16 jesus says you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you to bear fruit now listen fruit that will last fruit that will last see there are a lot of things we can do in life apart from remaining in jesus but they won't produce fruit that lasts They're not eternally significant. I mean, we could get good grades in school and make it into the college of our choice. We can build deep friendships with people who know how to have a good time. We can make decent money on the job and buy ourselves lots of toys. We can have babies and raise families. We can travel the world and see amazing things. We can do all these things and yet, listen, arrive at the end of our lives fruitless. Fruitless. Nothing to show of eternal significance. And that's why it's so essential to remain in Christ. Again, George Bush would have been foolish to jump out of a plane unattached to Mark Elliott. Would have cost him his life. And we will waste our lives apart from staying connected, remaining in Christ. Number four. So how do we do it? Okay, this is where the rubber meets the road. And I want you to imagine for a moment here that you're on a sailboat. I've used this metaphor before, but I think think it's really helpful. So if you try to sail on a day without wind, you're not going anywhere, and it's not a lot of fun. Now, I lived for a time on Cape Cod out in Massachusetts, surrounded on three sides by water, so I know what it's like to be on a friend's sailboat on a windless day. Uh, Boring, it's a total snore. So everything depends on the wind. However, you can be on a sailboat on a windy day and still not go anywhere unless, unless you know what you're doing. And for starters, this is really basic, okay, you got to hoist the sails. And then you got to position the boat and angle the sails just right so as to catch the wind. And once you catch the wind, then you're sailing, and it's a, it's a ride, it's a lot of fun. So back to the vine and branches metaphor of John 15. The vine is like the wind in my sailboat analogy. Everything depends on the vine. Without the vine, no fruit. However, just because the vine, Jesus, provides the life that produces the fruit, that doesn't mean there's nothing for us to do. In order to draw upon Jesus' fruit-producing power, we got to remain in him, and remaining doesn't, it doesn't just happen. You know, as I have spent hours and hours ruminating on John 15, I've, you know, I've come across at least four things that, that we need to do. You know, Christ will produce fruit in us, but only if we do these four things. So let me spell them out for you, uh, one word apiece, okay? Four words to remember. If you've not taken a lick of notes yet, you might want to jot down these four words. First, meditate. Meditate. Now, I'm going to skip around in the passage a bit because I want you to see several references that Jesus makes, you know, throughout this teaching about meditating on God's word. First one is in verse 3. He says, you are already clean, and we noted last week, the word cleaned is, comes from the same Greek, Greek root as the word pruned in the original text. You are already pruned. I've pruned you. How? By the word I have spoken to you. Jesus' word. So when we're reading and studying and meditating on, on God's word, Jesus is pruning us, preparing us to be fruitful. We're remaining in him. Drop down to verse 7. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. My words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish. Pray and it'll be done for you. So if you want answers to your prayers, if you want to bear fruit as, as you pray, then remain in God's word. Soak in it. Meditate on it. You know, talk about it in a community group. Drop down to verse 15. Look at the middle of verse 15. Jesus says, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus is offering us his friendship. And how does he develop that intimacy with us? By teaching us everything he learned from his father. Jesus' teaching is in the Bible. I've made it known to you. So listen, friends, we can't remain in Christ. Unless the Bible is playing a major role in our everyday lives. No fruit without remaining. No remaining without meditating. Now, if, if you're, you're still struggling with this because you're saying, you know, I just don't know how to meditate. Uh, Pastor Clayton preached a, an incredibly helpful, very practical sermon in the midst of our, our summer series on spiritual rhythms. A killer series, by the way. And if you, you miss that sermon or you want to be refreshed, what what he taught go back get it online you know go to our website and listen to what it means to remain so how do you how do you remain you meditate Uh, second obey go to verse 10. jesus says if you keep my commands you will remain in my love just as i have kept my father's commands and remain in his love drop down to verse 14 you are my friends if you do what i command So there's a close connection here in Jesus' teaching between remaining in Jesus, being a friend to Jesus, and obeying Jesus. And Jesus says that he himself is our example in this regard. During his earthly life and ministry, Jesus was laser-focused on obeying whatever the Heavenly Father asked him to do. I mean, this is a major theme throughout the Gospel of John. John 4, verse 34, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me chapter 5 verse 19 whatever the father does the son also does chapter 6 verse 38 i have come down from heaven not to do my will but to do the will of him who sent me chapter 8 verse 29 the one who sent me is with me i always do what pleases him john chapter 8 verse 55 though you do not know god i know him and obey his word chapter 12 verse 49 the father who sent me commanded me to say all that i've spoken chapter 14 verse 31 i love the father and i do exactly what the father has commanded me again and again and again how did jesus maintain a close relationship with the heavenly father by obeying him how do we remain in jesus by obeying him now now this assumes listen this assumes that we know what to obey you can't obey God's Word until you've meditated on God's Word which takes us back to the first point meditate leads to obeying so you're reading uh, the Bible you're hearing it taught in a sermon you're discussing it in a community group you're always looking for something to obey you know, it's kind of like you're, you're on a football team and after the game, you're watching the game film with the coach, okay, ladies included on this football team, all right? And, and why are you watching the game film? Because you got nothing else to do or because it's an entertaining movie? No, you're watching the game film because you want to detect anything you're doing wrong that needs to be corrected or anything you're doing right that needs to be capitalized on. See, so you see, when you're in God's word, when you're reading it, when you're hearing it taught, when you're discussing it in your community group, you're always asking yourself the question, what does God want me to do? What does he want me to obey here? How can I, I put this into practice? How can I apply this to my life? You know, getting in God's word is not about information. It's about transformation. So You, you can attend three or four Bible studies and get your head full of Bible factoids. But you want your life to be changed to be transformed so that's what what getting into the Bible is all about you meditate so that you can obey and that leads to a third thing if you want to remain in Christ love okay love and there's a progression here if you want to remain in Christ you got to meditate on his word and as you meditate you're looking for things to obey and what's the big thing you got to obey Well, let's find out. Go back to John 15, drop down to verse 12. Jesus says, my command is this. Okay, you want to obey? Here's my command. Love each other as I've loved you. Drop down to verse 17. He says it again. This is my command. Love each other. Okay, this is where obedience begins. Yeah, Jesus was asked on one occasion, so what's the greatest commandment? And if you know the story, you know somebody was trying to trip him up. All uh, right, His Jewish audience knew that the rabbi said there are 613 commands in the Old Testament. And so they wanted to stump Jesus. So which is the most important of the 613? And Jesus, without blinking an eye, said, well, number one is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And number two is what? Love your neighbor as yourself want to obey God, love. Now, friends, this comes naturally to us if we're talking about certain family members and, and friends, okay, but what about the annoying kid in your algebra class? <laughs> all right, what about the neighbor whose dog barks all night? All right, what, what about the boss who constantly takes your ideas and claims them as his own? What about the ex-spouse who's trying to turn the kids against you? Okay, if I were to ask you today, who do you have a hard time loving? Who comes to mind? Because that's the person that's going to drive you to remain in Christ. You're going to say, I can't love that jerk. And, the, and the Jesus' response is, well, absolutely. That's why you got to remain in me because I could love that jerk through you. Oh, I don't think Jesus would say it that way. but uh, He would say, I could love that person through you. Okay, so the fact that we can't love on our own drives us back to remain in Jesus. You see how this works? How do you remain in Christ? Meditate on his word. That'll tell you what you need to obey. Come come away with an application. And the first and foremost ought to be love, love. Fourth, how do we remain in Christ? Pray. I want you to notice how this topic of prayer pops up a couple of times in this passage. Again, look for repeating words or ideas. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, we're talking about remaining, how do you do it? Ask whatever you wish, pray, and it'll be done for you. Drop down to verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Okay, you're remaining, you're producing fruit, so that whatever you ask in my name, whatever you pray, the Father will give you. See, remaining and praying go hand in hand. If you are praying throughout the course of the day, And when when I say throughout the course of the day, I don't mean just when you get up in the morning and you read your Bible and you take a few minutes to pray or saying grace over breakfast, lunch, and and, and dinner or or giving a quick nod to God before you climb into bed at night. I'm talking about praying throughout the course of the day. It's impossible not to remain in Christ. (laughs) If, If you make it your habit to pray throughout the day, you will remain in Christ you say well that's easier said than done it is so let me give you a couple tips okay one, one thing you can do whenever you're in conversation with someone and they tell you a need or they express a hurt you, you can say hey i love to pray can i take 60 seconds and pray for you now that's the line i use i never say hey i'm a pastor can i pray for you that's the kiss of death so you, you don't say i'm a christ father can i pray for you and, and I always say, you know, it's because I love to pray, but I always say, can I take 60 seconds? Because now they know I'm not going to stand there for five or 10 minutes embarrassing them. All right, here's something else you can do periodically throughout the course of the day. Have you downloaded our mobile app yet? I hope you have. Just go to the mobile app and click on the prayer wall, and you're going to see some desperate needs there. You know, I pray regularly for people on the prayer wall, and I'm always amazed at how vulnerable people are willing to be in sharing what's going on in their lives. So you pray for two or three of those, and click off, go back to whatever you're doing, and come back later in the day, and you'll see some more entries there. Here's another thing you can do. Okay, something I use uh, quite frequently, almost daily, is a little prayer mantra, a one-liner that I repeat constantly throughout the course of the day. Now, my one-liner changes from day to day, but it always begins the same way. Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ. And then the second half, oftentimes, is the plea of blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road when he calls out, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And so 20 to 30 times in the course of the day, I just shoot that one up. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Now, often I'll change the second half of the line. Lord Jesus Christ, help me remain in you. Lord Jesus Christ, help me remain in you. That's my mantra for the day. Lord Jesus Christ, help me remain in you. Or Lord Jesus Christ, open my mouth to talk about you. Lord Jesus Christ, open my mouth to talk about it. You just make up your mantra, you choose the line, and you pray it 20 to 30 times throughout the course of the day. just brings you back to the reality that Christ is waiting for you to remain in him. You know, the more we remain in Christ, the more he produces his fruit in us. How do we remain? Please, it's not some mystical experience. Ooh. How do you remain? You meditate on God's word. You, 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 you ingest it every day. You look for something to obey, something to, to take away. And by the way, if you have a, a difficult time going from reading to what is the application supposed to be? I read the text. I'm coming up, coming up with nothing. I wrote a little book and a four-book four series. The series is called Bible Savvy. They're short books. The last one's called Walk. And Walk is meant to help you go from text to life. So if you're having a hard time getting an application out of what you read, pick up that book. So you meditate, then you obey, and you look for somebody to love who's impossible to love so you'll be forced to remain in Christ, and then you pray throughout the course of the day. You get it? Good. Good. Would you you stand with me? We're going to close in a song in just a moment, but stand with me and let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for this reminder that you are available to us. You are our jet stream. When we remain in you and you remain in us, we are carried along in your power. And and your life produces fruit through us. We look forward next week to learning about uh, what all that fruit entails. But this week, help us to turn a corner of practicing remaining in you, we pray in your name.